Welcome everyone to 2023 season episode 20 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the show offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news notes and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Enjoy Illinois 300 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Steve, welcome back for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast, fresh off of NASCAR's shortest race of the season. At least it was supposed to be (laughs) one of the shortest races of the season. And instead, two weeks in a row, we end up with a marathon. Uh, No rain, but uh, a little bit of a weather delay that that threw things for a loop. And we got an extra hour hour and 45 minutes to do other activities on Sunday. Yeah. What what was the name of the track again uh, that they race at? Yeah. Worldwide Technology Raceway. And um, yeah. 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 That uh... (laughs) technology driven. Yeah, unfortunately, that that track. I mean, the people are automatically brought up the issues they had in the past, where uh, the lights went out during a truck lights race once. Um, this wasn't uh, electrical in nature this time, except for the lightning. Uh, <laughs> this was more of an issue with a fiber line probably being cut by construction or something outside of the track. So, uh, a lot of people did give them grief though for being the you know the technology raceway and then things going out. But it was just so funny when that when that moment struck on on TV. Uh, when you you hear, I think the TV voice for like a second, and then it cuts to the commercial, and everyone was yeah. just left confused. Well, yeah, because the cut to the commercial really quick. Like usually when you have a problem like that, it's like a couple second delay or yep. you know five five or ten seconds of just dead air. But it was a frozen screen for like a second, and then boom, commercial. So somebody was quick on the hammer to fix whatever it was. Um, but it took a while because they didn't have internet for a while, and the scanners were great to listen to because that was the only thing that was working right. Uh, then you know nobody had data on the boxes. Um, Josh did not have internet up there uh, where he was standing. Um, I got it in my notes, but I'll bring it up now. I mean, uh, you know, he's he tell he tells Jonathan that he says, "Hey, I got, I got no internet here. I got nothing. I can't lap time. Nothing." You know, and Jonathan goes, "Got a stopwatch?" Yeah. And Josh. Josh goes, "What's that?" <laughs> now, I know they're messing with each other, but everybody was basically blindfolded for a little while as far as like normal data and and the way they they do things. Um, but it did come back except for the in-car cameras never came back. Mm. So that made, made the way I watched the race a little bit different. I had to go back to old school a little bit there, but, um, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, quite, a, quite an interesting weekend there. Yeah. Interesting scenario there. And I, uh, again, thanks to Tony Palmer, the race engineer for Ryan Blaney that came on last week and, uh, talked with us. We had an interview with him, really great stuff. But I, the whole time during that, that race, when the data and everything went out, that's all I could think about is like, oh man. I'd really like to know what Tony's going through right now because he's the guy and he talked about it with us. He's the guy that's calculating the fuel mileage and watching all of that stuff that they never, they didn't have for a a very long portion of that race. Um, So that's, uh, that had to have been interesting. And yeah, I would, I would like to know what, what Tony's thoughts 
were on what happened there. Uh, the other thing that was interesting was just the fact that how lost people were. I think um, Ronnie Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief, had tweeted about it about being completely lost because they, you know, they didn't have their uh, line of communication back to the war room, you know, in, in North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Again, they, none of that data on the card. It was like, they didn't know, almost like they didn't know what to do. And I'm like, come on, Rodney, you're a, you're a racer. I mean, you, you haven't gotten too used to how all of this well, works. And, um, but hearing, it was interesting hearing that from a lot of folks. Hearing that's kind of interesting in general, because um, the, Oh, that kind of tells you how dependent some teams are on their war room versus others. You know, we talked to Tony last week about it and he said, yeah, we do this or we do that with it, but they didn't sound as dependent on it as some of these other teams did this weekend. Like you're right. Like they, you know, they sound like they were more dependent on like going back to like, in, in other words, there must be somebody back at the war room that they depend on more. And uh, maybe that person needs to be at the track instead, you know, in case this happens again. And everything I've heard on, you know, the podcasts that have been released this week and other interviews is that the drivers loved it uh, <laughs> because they were uh, the the spotters and everybody else didn't have the data to tell them how they're driving wrong. If you're getting too hot into a corner, yeah. hey, the guy yeah, in front of you or behind you is doing this. You need to try this. I think mm-hmm. Freddie Kraft had said Bubba was had actually mentioned that the that he was all for it. And um, yeah. the one that did seem to suffer from it, though, and we'll get to it probably during the re- the recap was Corey LaJoy, who's with a was with a brand new team filling in and with this, you know, working with Alan Gustafson and Alan was kind of just didn't know he couldn't see what Corey was really doing. He could probably watch, you know, a video feed of him getting in and out, but like he couldn't see that SMT data to see how Corey was driving the car and maybe what kind of changes he would need because they don't have that rapport built up to know what he needed. And unfortunately Corey really struggled in that race. So maybe he might've been the only one that really wished that the data was still going all throughout that race. Yeah. Now, truthfully, the Hendrick cars didn't do that great. Um, I mean, the five car flip to strategy is what they did with, with a two tire stop. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, I mean, Corey was, yeah. And your Corey's podcast tomorrow on Wednesday will be quite interesting to hear him talk about how realistically he didn't do what he wanted to do, but I don't know if the teams, the Hendrick teams as a whole, were really that strong on the day either. So yeah, unfortunate. So, um, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. So why don't we jump in? You talked about some guys being not so strong, a team that was strong in this weekend's race at uh, worldwide technology raceway was the 12 team again. And it all started off in uh, that practice and qualifying session. Well, it started off on Friday, actually. Well, so <laughs> I, I should preface this by saying the team as a whole was really strong. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, our man Raymond had a rough, a rough Friday. Yeah. Well, I think, I think he had a, had like some fishing to do over the weekend somewhere and <laughs> or if they send him back to the war room yeah that wasn't good either because yeah he wasn't able to talk talk during the race there um yeah the 6 and the 12 car both fail inspection two times here uh on Friday and right they usually pick a pick the car chief to eject so Raymond uh Raymond had to had to leave the the building um I used the term because I got online and a couple people right away, oh, they're bad. They're doing this. And, oh, the NASCAR hates them for that. And, you know, they didn't want them to win the week before. So now they're penalizing them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is called pushing the envelope. Or um, another great term I heard, responsibly aggressive. <laughs> responsibly aggressive is a great term. Because all they're really doing was, Okay, we've won a race. We know we're in the playoffs. We're now the points leader too to boot. Now is the time to do it. Let's do something and see, 
you know, if not want to say get away with it per se, but you know, sometimes they're a gray area and until you push the gray area, you don't know if you're going to push it to your advantage or be told to stop. You know, as long as it's not duplicating a part and putting it on your car, <laughs> like some yeah. other team. Yeah. That's sketchy. As as, yeah. As long as it's not something like that, if it's something that goes through inspection and then they tell you, you, know, you can't do that. And then you try and fix it. And then, you know, a second time they didn't have it fixed correctly. Then that's probably all that really happened. Um, then you try these things, you try them for a uh, future, you know, um, inspections and, quite, and, and races and quite honestly you know, and, these inspection failures in pre-race are aerodynamic things like just yeah. you know they're out of tolerance on the scan so mm-hmm. it's not like they're trying to cheat or get something past the officials it's really just yeah maybe the, the fender's out just a little bit too much because you know they've kind of bent this this way or you know this this bolt or something isn't as tight as it normally would be or i mean i'm just making this probably not exactly what it is but that's kind of how things get out out of tolerance and uh, once you are and then you try to fix that then other parts of the car kind of shift around as they keep going back through the scanner you know and and you know could could have been something like i said you know like i said on purpose because they were testing to see if not to say get away with it but if you know where the gray area is and if they're inside of it or outside of it also um now the teams at penske all turn toward the two team and even the 21 team to try and help them um so maybe you do this and in your setup for your car this week and they do something different and then you can give them some data if it works better for you during practice or whatever uh because uh, ultimately Penske would love to have all three teams in the playoffs or actually, and, and actually 21 also is the fourth team. Um, they would like to have them all in the playoffs that they can and figure out a way to get them the victories or the, or the finishes they need to get them. So, um, yeah, you try these kind of things and, you know, see if it works, you know, it's not necessarily, and, and truthfully, I say try that on, on purpose, but who knows, maybe the car, got, uh, the hauler hit a bad pothole. <laughs> on the way in too and bounce the car around a little bit you don't even know if that something like that may have happened and then they get the car out and they don't know it until they run through inspection they're like oh wait a minute you know this is you know something's wrong here and we have to fix it and like i said they ran it two through twice so they tried to fix whatever it was and it, they couldn't fix it the first time probably so but the bad part about it is the pit selection process yeah, losing Raymond so, Fox is not the best thing, but yeah, pit selection's huge. Pit selection's huge, um, and the way they do it is they assign you a pit stall ahead of time. So comes uh, you do qualifying, and that figures out who gets to pick their pit stall in what order. But before they do that, they say, you're going to get this pit stall, and Brad's going to get this pit stall, and then everybody picks around you. And um, that ends up being a thing later on because the 77's in front, and um who was behind him it was the six right six was behind him so yeah they're right um, together it was kind of weird but yeah yeah kind of weird and then some of the things that happened um during the race kind of were real interesting uh, including the 77 actually literally holding up for them to pull out of their pit stall which tv didn't show real well but um jonathan had you know taught told about ryan that he talked to them ahead of time and the distance between them entering pit road and the 77 coming on to pit road was enough where the 77 just kind of waited a, a hair or two. They were like the last car in the lead lap anyway. So they weren't going to really, you know, maybe they would have gained a position or two unless somebody messed up their pit stop. So, but so we, um, yeah, we get to Saturday here with practice there in group B, of course, that'd be the last, last car to qualify in group B. Um, 
the uh, the 22 in Group A was leading that practice, and uh, they were shifting twice, <laughs> you know, down to third gear in the corners. Um, that and, did not uh, did not excite me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Denny Hamlin talked about on his show that they did mess with the gearing a little bit, and it actually made them shift more. <laughs> I was like, come on, <laughs> why? We're supposed yeah. to be going in the opposite direction, and then now they're shifting more than they were mm-hmm. previously. Yeah. Um, so we get to group B here. Um, you know, they were going to do about 15 laps. Um, and here's an interesting thing. Um, you know, so usually within the first three or four laps, everybody gets their fast lap time. All right. And, uh, that's how you see the thing on TV about, oh, this was the fastest car and this and that. And then, like, I always like to see what the averages look like, stuff like that. But what ends up happening is the one car, when he goes to get on the track, he holds everybody up to some extent on the backstretch, screwing up. I don't know if he's waiting for the 99 to get behind him or something. And it screws up the whole first three or four laps that, the, that they run. So his lap time doesn't look great. Um, Which those would but, have been his fastest laps of the session just because the tires would have been much, much fresher. So. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and Ryan at one point is behind the 99 and the one. And I don't know. He, he says, what are we doing here? So something, those two knuckleheads were doing something in front of him and I don't know what it was. And if one was trying to show the other one, how to, how to run a line there or something, but, um, he, you know, ask him, you know, Ryan, I think Ryan came back in here. Um, Oh, he, they were going to run along because they finally did get to some clean air. They finally got those guys got out of the way and ran and got some clean air. Um, and actually, because he got clean air, he ran a lap that was <laughs> one of his best laps of the session. Even though he was on fifteen lap old tires, uh, he finally got clean 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 air and actually kind of moved him up to the leaderboard. I think he was like third quickest in his group at that point, which was pretty good. Uh, they came in um, and with uh, eight minutes left. And it's kind of interesting because when they do this kind of thing, they know what kind of changes they were going to make already because it only takes a couple minutes to get back out there. Um, he's now the fifth fastest group B. Five, five, five minutes left, comes back out, you know, runs some more laps. Um, we get to qualifying. Uh, group A qualifying. Uh, he gets a TV interview, which is always cool. Um, and the 11, the 45, the 24, the 8, and the 22 uh, are the fast five. And then we get to group B and Ryan's, you know, Ryan, the, the one, the four, the two, and the teen are the fast five. So, um, you got all three of the Penske cars are going to be going for the pole. And here's what I'm thinking. Of course, of course, we have a really great shot at getting the pole here and mm-hmm. we'll not have that ability to, to pick the preferred, <laughs> preferred pit stall, but you still, oh. Hey, you still want to start on the front row. Yeah. Um, you know, Cowbush goes out early. I think he was like the second car out in the uh, the pole qualifying and put down a lap that was really incredible because you watch the tracker for the next seven, eight guys all the way through Ryan. And some of the guys couldn't touch what he did in one and two, um, three and four. Some of them gained it back in three and four, but uh, Kyle really did nail the lap. And Ryan a little missed it by point zero zero eight. <laughs> I don't know how much closer you can get. Um, so yeah, we're starting on the front row, you know, Kyle Bush is on the pole. Um, you know, they end up with pits all 29, like it says 77 was in front of him. The six was behind him. 
Um, so we get to Sunday, we got stages of 45, 140, 240, nine sets of sticker tires, one set of qualifiers, a fuel run of about 72 to 76 laps. Um, to the rear, excuse me, to the rear, we got the 43 and the 15. So uh, we got a, we got a TV interview, uh, you know, on the radio, uh, which was cool. Um, getting ready to settle you. in for a nice long run at the finish of yeah. at the start of this race. Yeah, it would have been great if it if none of this goofiness would have happened. <laughs> it happens in the <laughs> next four or five hours. Excuse me. Um, they they do their pit road thing, and I always kind of take note of it because they try to be more aggressive with the pit road speed as usual. But um, Jonathan tells them to just like a half a light, just back it down, just like a half a light. Um, at the reset at the beginning start, the eight actually took the bottom, but that changes during the race. Everybody ends up at the high. High lane for the starts here. <laughs> Ryan actually leads lap two running side by side with him. So the restarts were wild as heck. Um, you could run next to somebody for a good three or four laps before finally, you know, having to concede the position. But um, he does lead lap two. And, uh, you know, we get a caution <laughs> for the 45 spinning and the 47 might have helped him along there. Uh, and Jonathan, uh, Josh tells him it's the eighth and the 12th. So he's still second. Um, and of course they're staying out and then we got our lightning alert, red flagging it. What would you say about an hour and 45 minutes? I think they were yeah. out for the hour 45 and it was, it was resetting. Kept, yeah. Kept resetting, kept resetting. Got to keep watching Bob, Bob's Twitter. It started out <laughs> with just a little cell. Um, they said right at the edge, right at the, at the eight mile limit out there. Uh, mm-hmm. it was a little cell and I'm like, ah, oh, come on. But then as you continue to watch the radar, there's lots of more storms that kept popping up. But again, right at that edge, and every single time, um, they they would get down to five or six minutes, and then boom, here it is again. And I and I can understand, and I've been through these lightning delays. I think I talk about all the time our experiences at Daytona, and that's just the the way Florida works with mm-hmm. storms and pop up storms. Is we've been through so many rain and lightning delays at Daytona that it, it can get frustrating, but it's a major safety issue. Um, because of what, I mean, we talk about it all the time, what happened at, uh, or the, the TV does when they go through this, but, you know, but fortunately there was a fatality at Pocono, uh, <laughs> several years back and, um, they've gotten really serious about it, even though the fans don't always get super serious. I think the first half hour at gateway, it looked like everybody stayed in their seats, but then eventually mm-hmm. they all started trickling down to yeah. find something else to do for the next hour and a half, but, uh, <laughs> unfortunate, before they unplug the radio, uh, Ryan says, yeah, here we are sitting in the sunshine. And Josh goes, yep, I'm up here working on my tan. <laughs> I just love, I always love it. The banter is great. Um, so about 540 they, Eastern time, they finally fire him up. Uh, Josh tells him pit road open and Jonathan says, staying out. Uh, this is always a normal thing that, you know, when they're going to stay out, they just, Josh always tells him pit roads open and right away, Jonathan goes, we're staying out, you know, unless there's some sort of trick coming. Um, the restart actually lap seven here. The eight takes the top now, Ryan on the bottom and, um, they restart and by lap 11, the eight finally clears Ryan, um, a lot 15 talking about his line and, uh, and the uh, line of the 11 car behind him. And Ryan is, uh, only about a half a second back of the eight. Um, Lap 17, Ryan runs a different line in one or two and actually starts losing ground a little bit. So, um, but by lap 20, he's only two tenths back of the eight. So, um, he says he's a little bit tight and, um, by lap 35, he's over a second behind the eight at this point in second still though, at lap 42, the eight, um, laps, the six and the 77. 
And this is, you know, near the end of the stage. And, you know, so both those cars are pitting around Ryan's. It's perfect. You know, the eight win stage one, Ryan's in second. And um, he tells them, you keep, keep uh, turning in the, in the front and keep rolling um, maybe a half a number here. Um, maybe a full number. And um, Jonathan said the call is black uh, when they open up in the pits. And like I said, they're open in, open out right now. There'll be nobody pitting around them. People should remember from our interview last week with Tony Palmer that uh, he's the one in charge of of uh, putting pulling together all those pit codes every week. So that's kind of just yeah. a fun fact that we kind of know now going forward. So mm-hmm. thanks to Tony and his software there. Yeah. Um, so pitting in second, come out second with four tires and a 10 flat uh, pit stop here. We got a 19 gets a penalty. The two gets a penalty. And then the two was a speeding on to pit road. So they kind of like, once again, make sure that you're running um, a half a light less than what we, what we set. Um, the choose the eight car takes the top. Ryan takes the bottom here. And uh, Jonathan tells him to take care of fuel here. Cause it'd be a little bit longer run. And they restart lap 53 with the four car pushing. And sometimes the push is important here. Not quite as important as it was at Charlotte, but um, still, if you get two or three guys lined up behind you, it might help you a little bit. Uh, we got a caution for the 34 here who took two tires and uh, it looks like the one car, um, gave him a little help. <laughs> not as, not yeah. as egregious as, as some no. things, but, no. um, still not, still wasn't great, but the 34 man, uh, he was, uh, he was pulling these strategies all racing. Yeah. They would change two tires. Change these two tires, and the next time change the other two tires. Yeah, they were quite interesting. Um, a car takes the top. Ryan takes the bottom here. Restart at lap fifty nine. Um, he getting a better push from the four and the twenty two here. And at lap sixty one, he's battling the eight pretty hard, and he clears the eight, and takes the lead. Um, so lap uh, sixty three, the eleven and the eight are battling for second behind him. Ryan's up seven tenths of a second because of this. Uh, lap sixty eight, he's got a one point two second lead. Lap seventy five, it's up to one point five seconds. Um, Ryan tells him we're getting a little tight in the corner and, uh, lap 80, uh, Ryan changes his line a little bit to match the eights line and, um, and has a 1.7 second lead. Now, this is the thing, um, on the restarts, the passing happens on the restarts, but once they get spread out and going, um, it's extremely hard to pass and Ryan running the same line as, as Kyle Bush. Now, Kyle might start gaining on him, gaining on him by running a better line. But once they got to him, if Ryan ran that same line, Kyle wasn't getting by him. Especially um, seems for the lead. And I'm always the one that will be like, well, at least through the field, people were, there were comers and goers. And that's true. But when you get to the the guys up front and the guy mm-hmm. that's in clean air, really, really hard to pass the leader. But it seems yeah. like the, at least some of the racing for the folks in the stands, at least they got to see something. But uh, with yeah. Ryan in the lead, though, I'm like, all right, I'm good with this. Yeah. Stay single file. <laughs> Yeah, um, at lap 85, he's 1.1 ahead. Uh, like I said, the eight's running a little lower in both ends here. But at lap eight, 88, um, Josh tells him the eight can run lower for a lap or two and then gain, and then he has to cool off his stuff and go back out to running a higher line. Um, lap uh, 91, we get a caution for the seven. This is the first of the, the brake rotor issues of the day. Um, they get... Um, so Jonathan here says uh, we're going to do uh, number one and free you up a bit as well. Um, oh, this is where we lose TV, right? <laughs> then, then the NASCAR app, uh, everything just goes haywire here. Um, the 77 is back on the lead lap at this point. So 
Um, he may have to go around him. Um, pit road was still closing. The pit road stayed closed for a while because I think what they were trying to do is get back on TV. Yeah, they're just they're circling. To get, they're circling, and nobody wants to come out and say that, but that's I think that's what they actually were doing. It's taking a long time to clean up. You know, they got this, and they're cleaning up over here, and they're cleaning up over there, and rightfully so. But um, yeah, I think it's mainly they're trying to get back on TV and get everything, trying to get everything back to normal. And I know we talked about it uh, extensively at the top of the show, but it was interesting how immediately, uh, which Fox doesn't have a ton of fans, <laughs> it seems like uh, for their coverage, but uh, immediately a lot of people are coming out and blaming Fox for what happened here. And it turns out it was something outside of their control because the MRN feed also went down. And I saw plenty of tweets of people being confused because it seemed like their stop gap was to go back to one of their old races. And they don't just do an old race from like a year or so ago. They do an old race from like a decade or, or more ago. And people are, <laughs> were commenting about like hearing somebody talk about the beginning of a race. And it was like Bobby Labonte or something, somebody like that. So yeah. it was like, yeah, across the board, um, this was an interesting part. And I'm like, I'm like, do they just keep holding? And uh, they do eventually come back online, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I guess they ditched MRN. MRN was still out for uh, a think through maybe potentially the end of this next stage. But oh, geez, uh, so it shows you TV. TV is king, and they mm-hmm. waited for TV to get back online to continue the race. Um, so now, um, interesting thing that's said before they pit. Uh, Ryan actually says thinking Menards question mark, <clears throat> and Jonathan says ten four. So, um. Josh says we're clear in, uh, the 77 is on the lead lap. Now he got it. He did get the lucky dog last uh, caution. So, um, Johnson says stop short just to make sure in case they got to go around him and, uh, they come in and they, they change right sides. That's it. They come in, uh, first and they leave in first and it's a 4.3 second stop. Um, pretty impressive. Luckily, uh, um, we always talk about when they do tire strategies and things like this, that they ideally will have a buffer. And what I think they had four or five cars and yeah, I got the first, in your notes, the first five off pit road. So yeah, the first five cars off pit road. So two rows, two and a half rows of guys on two tires. And unfortunately, um, what I will say is um, this, this strategy works out so well that uh, it, it actually kind of ends up beating them a little bit the rest of the day because everybody sees how how well they can do and they they put it in the in the, their memory banks for the end of the race mm-hmm. yeah and there's some the thing is you still have to have a really good car uh, but a couple of the ones who who do uh do it later they they have the equipment um so ryan chooses the top on this restart here and the 22 is actually on the bottom um i think the 22 actually had a faster two-tire stop uh, but they were on the same strategy too um and they restart lap 102, um, basically to the lead. Uh, once, once again, at this point, there's no in-car. So it's kind of no fun for me. From TV um, perspective, it kind of looked like one of those almost classic like super speedway teammate restarts to where yeah, Joey yeah. kind of backed up the bottom line a little bit, let Ryan come down, and then they, they went off leading together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, a, 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 I think earlier I was talking about where they had no internet and yeah, I can't do any of the gaps and the, the thing about the stopwatch. So um, they got a 1.2 second lead, according to the NASCAR app at this point, on the 22. At lap 109, the 8 actually passes the 22 for second. So once again, the 8 is on four tires. So he's finally carved him his way up there. But um, Ryan's got a 1.5 second lead at lap 109. Um, at lap 120, it's still a one second lead. Um, 
Josh tells Ryan that the eight won't be able to pass on the low side if he does get to him. You know, so once again, here we go. We're going to run the same line once he gets within a half second or whatever, and you're in good shape. Um, lap um, 131, the eight is 0.43 back. Um, but by lap 135, Josh, you know, they, they lead by over a second. And uh, it's, you know, once again, it, he burnt up his stuff and then he couldn't get to him anymore. Uh, lap 140, Ryan wins stage two. So we got another point in the bank. How about that? Uh, you know, 13 races into the season, this team had no wins, no stage or no playoff points, uh, decent amount of regular, you know, season, you know, general points. But um, now a couple races later, got a win in the bank and uh, two stage wins also in the bank, too. And uh, that's really, really good to see. And um, no matter the, the rest of the way this race went, um, I thought kind of a mi- mission accomplished, especially to back up a victory of the Coke 600 to come out and have another really strong run uh, the following week at Gateway. Yeah. The, so we got 77. Is, he's still in the lead lap here. And um, Ryan says we're still tight rolling. It builds tight. Um, so he just he wants to keep it turning in the center. Um, he didn't want to put any rear brake into it. Um, so he's kind of letting Jonathan know he didn't do anything to adjust it on his end. You know, so Jonathan knows what kind of adjustment to make. Um, Jonathan tells him stop a little short and the 77, he does say the 77 said they'll stop. So I don't know, like I said, the TV didn't really show it well, well, but when Ryan left the box, the 77 was not into his box yet. So this stop, at least that was pretty good. Um, uh, it was a 10 flat stop which is really, really good. Um, we left, we came out P3 though. So one of the cars that beat us off pit road was a 45, the 45 decided let's do the two tire strategy. The other one was the 24, which we know right now, or at least right now is the best pit crew on pit road. So, um, I don't have a time. Oh no, here it is. Uh, 9.25. So their time was three quarters of a second that's, uh, faster. That's extremely you know, That's fast. just, yeah, especially this pit road, um, the boxes are smaller. Um, you got to be a little bit more careful. Um, and like I said, depending on who's pitting around you, when they come to pit road, you, you know, you might not be able to jump out in front of the car the way you want to, which we find out, uh, the, which ha- what happens with the 40, uh, was it the 42, 43, one of the legacy cars there. Yeah. Uh, 43, 43. I'm sorry. Yeah. He got injured. Um, and Jonathan tells him at this point, we're one stop from here, so save fuel you can. So uh, tires have showed that there wasn't enough fall off to want to get tires every time you you know you can because you it didn't you didn't gain enough basically off of it. So um, P three for the choose forty five takes the top. Ryan takes the top behind him. The restart lap one forty seven here, and um, the eleven uh, he's battling the eleven for third here. Um, but within a couple laps, he sorts out to fourth. Uh, at lap 152, though, he passes the 11. Or I'm sorry, the, I'm sorry, the 11 passes the 45 for second. And um, now we're trying to pass the 45. Uh, at lap 154, we do pass the 45 for P3. So you can do two tires, but unless your car is really dialed in, the, the, the four tires will get to you. Um, Ryan says we're pretty tight here. Maybe because of traffic, though, because it's the first time really he's been in traffic for a while. Um at lap 160, 1.8 back at the leader. Um, and at lap 165, uh, the 11 is closing in on the 24. And so we get uh, 168 here. We are about six point or point six seven back of the 11 car in second here, but, and a tenth faster than him. So once again, 
gaining on the guy, but once you get to him, it's a whole other story. Um, at lap 174 here, we're half a second back, and he's telling uh, the guys he's a little tight here still. And then we get a caution for the 45 for his rotors. And, um, you know, it's funny. Somebody put an article out today about problems with the car. You know, the car is the problems and it's no, it's not the car is the problems. I wish everybody quit doing that. This is some envelope pushing going on here too. Uh, I think that certain teams are a little more aggressive in the way they cool their rotors. Um, Larry Mack had a thing out there where, you know, it was about the, about the rotors cooling and, and, and then being worn back up and, you know, down the long straightaways, they cool them off quicker and then they heat back up down the, you know, and it's just, there were some things that I think engineering wise that the teams are doing that are causing these rotors. There's kind of like two things that they have. One thing to keep in mind is they, not everybody has to bring the same brake package. Um, They have two different, at least two different types of brake packages. They have one that's for an intermediate track. That's a lighter brake rotor. And then they have one that's for short tracks. That's much heavier. That's heavier and heavier duty to keep up with the heavy braking that they're going to do at places like Martinsville. So, there's a possibility here that the, you know, a lot of folks said that the breaking into turns one and two at gateway was very much um, hard on the brakes and very much like a short track. So I'm not sure if there's, there's, you know, the folks that um, survived had that kind of heavier duty package on there. Um, The second thing is you kind of said about them being aggressive. um, They have a lot of options when it comes to cooling the brake system and as much, you know, dependent on how much airflow goes to the brakes that also can change the uh, aerodynamics and downforce of the race car. So mm-hmm. there's kind of a, uh, a risk reward situation when it comes to this. So if, if people are running that lighter brake package and then also running fewer uh, hoses or whatever it is to, to cool the system. And um, the other, the other third <laughs> uh, situation here is with the driver, uh, mm-hmm. the next gen brake packages compared to the previous generation car are much stronger um, they have bigger, you know, bigger brakes, bigger calipers, bigger pads, and uh, they they get a lot more braking performance out of them than they used to. And drivers are just used to going in the corner, sending it in a little bit more than they would have in the previous generation car, getting hard on the brakes, and then continuing on with the day. So getting into one and two at this track, a lot of guys might have been pushing the envelope. You talked about how hard it was to pass. One of the ways you could pass was kind of sending it into the corner and hoping to clear yourself on the car behind you shifting those gears and going off the off down the straightaway so mm-hmm. i think a lot of this was happening a lot of these guys that you saw do it host of our early on uh surprised a lot of people he was in that seven car filling in for Corey the joy was running in the top sixth i think he's made his way up to 16th at that point people were pretty shocked uh, maybe he was running really aggressively and just with the way they were cooling and the brake package they picked up with it, you know, it was hard on that rotor and it exploded. And I think we're going to see this with several other guys that were running really well, that also some of them had to make runs up through the field at, at points in mm-hmm. this race mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that probably had some trouble here and it, it's unfortunate. Um, but it, as you said, the teams are kind of in control of this and they always, could go always... a little bit more conservative and they don't. And this oh. happens. Always look at teammates in these situations. If you've got teammates that have an issue, then it's something the team did. If they both, and the 23 and the 45 are teammates, and 23 later on, as we'll find out, has the same issue. So um, at least there, in that situation, I think they did something that uh, that caused them their issue. So 
Um, the Ryan here and Jonathan are talking about a half a number adjustment and Jonathan tells him if you want, we can put a wrench in there. Um, Ryan says, let's go a full number and try and get on the other side of it, you know? So, um, they tell him to stop a little short because the 77 one's going to be waiting on them. Uh, they're pitting in third and they come out six. Now, once again, this is not, <laughs> it's a one, a 10.10 stop. So it's, you know, and the, uh, Five and the 34 take two tires. So there's two of the spots. Okay. The other spot was the eight car. That's it. The 24 was already in front of him. And the eight car has a really good stop here. Um, You know, so Ryan says, uh, (laughs) thanks to the 34 for almost running into me into the fence on pit road. Because the 34 comes out of his box like a wild child. I was going to say, that was the other issue with this. I'm not sure how much it, it impacted the eight getting out in front of him. But Ryan did have to kind of check up because of what the 34 car did. So it definitely did not help uh, him in beating the eight off pit road. So that could have been a deciding factor in that that as well. And the eight team also, I mean, they have their problems, but they're also one of those teams that can pull off a nearly sub nine second stop every once in a while. Okay. Now, this is where the 43 crew member, you know, gets hit. And, you know, some some reports had one of the other cars hitting him and some of the reports had his own guy hitting him. Some of the reports also say that he ran into his own crew member. And then that kind of like messed him up to the point where he got hit. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> like you said, the, initially it was the three. And the then, biggest thing, yeah, I don't know. I wish there, I wish I could, I, hopefully I can explain this in a manner that remember a couple of weeks ago where Jonathan said to give, I think it was Harvick. Um, they were pitting behind Harvick and he told, uh, they were coming down pit road right behind Harvick. And he told, Ryan to give Harvick a space or two. Okay. And the reason was, is they were going to come in behind him and they, and Harvick was pitting exactly in front of him. If you come up bumper to bumper, that gives your guys nowhere to go around the car because you're coming in right behind the car coming in front of you. Yep. And I think this is what actually happened. I think it was, was it the three car they were pitting by? The three. I think the three, the three car was the car they were following into the pits. They were right behind that three car. They gave no gap to the three car. So his crew guys come jumping around there and try to go around the front of the car. And they have no room to go between the two cars. They run into each other. One of the guys might've fell or whatever and got hit. So I think that's what it actually comes down to it. It slows your stop, yes, because you have to, you know, you're waiting a second for your car to get there, you know, and he's giving gap to the guy in front of him, but it's a safety issue. And uh, Jonathan did that earlier in the year, and people don't realize that really is a good move. Even though you may lose a second on pit road, um, it keeps your guys from getting injured. And it and we find out here that I think this is what happened. I had uh, one of the other podcasts, I think it was Norman Clear, they actually explained that that's what, that's what it was. He was bumper to bumper with the car in front of him and that car was pitting in the stall right in front of him. So when his guys come over the wall, they had nowhere to go to get around the car on the front side. So yeah, unfortunate. Um, sounds like he's going to be, he's going to be okay. But be okay, you know, when yeah. you see that ambulance on pit road immediately, that yeah. was uh that, that seemed scary at first, especially when the earlier reports were that, Oh, the three, you know, the three ran over the guy and then you just think the worst, but thankfully it seems like he's going to make a full recovery. So the far uh, the, the five here was one of the cars took two tires and he's the leader now. Uh he takes the top. Ryan is on the bottom here. Um and he's you know in row three on that bottom. Um so we get the restart at uh 
lap 183 here. Um, the 99, he was lagging back is what it was, okay? Because I texted you during this, and uh, I was like, there's something that was going on. And what it was is he was lagging back on the restart, something they're not allowed to do. And uh, I think later on, I might have it in the notes here. L- literally, Ryan says that about the uh, on the restart. See, not a lot. It's you know, he's not allowed to do that. I guess I should start doing that. Um, if he can get away with it, then maybe I should do it too. So that's what ends up happening because the nine nine is actually behind Ryan. It should be helping Ryan. Instead, he lags back and then tries to get a run and tries to get up underneath Ryan. You know, going into one and two and uh, causes a little bit of an issue almost. Um, the five and the eight are battling for the lead here. Lap one eighty five. He's up to fifth here behind the 34 and passes the 34 in that lap to get to fourth. Uh, lap 190, he's faster than a, by, by a tenth than the, you know, the second and third place cars, the five and the 11. And um, at lap 195, he's about three tenths back of the 11. About two and a half seconds back of the leader, though, the eight. At lap 198, we get caution for the 42. Um, this is another... Uh, Brake rotor and um, it damages the wall here, so we get a red flag while they fix the wall. Um, and this one is a little bit scarier because with the other guys that that blew their rotor, I don't know if they just they just were more experienced and they knew to stay up toward the wall. Uh, mm-hmm. Noah's rotor blows out and he dives deep down into the corner, and it just yeah. makes things totally worse. So Snap, it, yeah. snaps and hits head on, and yeah, just um, so the. 15 laps into this run here and you know jonathan tells me i don't see anyone pitting so you know uh lap 199 the wrangler is the call and wrangler means they're staying out uh when pit road opens at least this week <laughs> till till he changes till tony changes it um eight car takes the top here and ryan is on the bottom here behind the five car in fourth um the 99 is on the outside um of the row here and uh the restart lap 230 sorts out to fourth and then lap 204 we get a caution for um oh this is the the two car hitting uh no this is the 20 oh this is a the two car did some bouncing around here this is the 20 he actually hits at this point um yeah and uh yeah their 20s had a rough couple weeks of spinning out during some of these races so but i don't think he hit anything so yeah, so uh, the 8, the 5, the 11, the 12, um, 34, the 22 are the top six at this point. And, of course, we're staying out here. The 8 talks t- takes the top. Ryan um, is in fourth. He takes the bottom here, so he's in row two. Uh, he'll be pushing the five car. Uh, restart lap 209. At lap 210, he passes the 11 and gets to third. At lap 212, we get uh, <laughs> the caution for the 15 car. Uh, we're staying out again. Uh, the eight taking the top here. Ryan's in third here, and he's taking the top behind the eight. Uh, and a restart lap 217, he's battling the 11. And um, 218, he sorts out the fourth here, and we get a caution for the three and the 47. And this is where the two hit the three, well, or did the three hit the two. The whole Depending thing. On, yeah, it became a whole thing on uh, Twitter and this is what's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about the Chase Elliott and uh, Denny Hamlin incident from uh, the Coke 600 and how, you know, that was pretty blatant, just like Bubba's was pretty blatant. And I think we both agreed at the time. Yes, he should get suspended. We agree with the suspension. And then here we go. This race where the two and the three do make contact in the right rear. Um, mm-hmm. But it appears that both of them may have been moving 
about at the same time. And if you do watch it quickly, it could look like the two just took some. Um, luckily, the 47 was kind of in the way to brace uh, the impact so the three doesn't just go head on into the wall. Uh, Denny Hamlin came out on his podcast and said, oh, yeah, the data totally shows uh, the two the two hooks them. Uh, but he said he didn't think that he would end up. He didn't say he should end up with a suspension. He said he didn't think he would end up with a suspension. The two, though, uh, Mr. Sindrick <laughs> goes on, and I don't know how active he usually is on Twitter, but he goes on and just types out a very to the point. I'm just here to defend myself. Uh, here's the data. He, you know, he shared kind of like what Denny shared uh, the week prior, and shows mm-hmm. you know he never his steering didn't change until the contact was actually made. So. Yeah, um, man, um, it's yeah, just you watch, uh, you watch the replay, the replay that that is head up straight down the uh, down the straightaway. To me, it looks like the three car thought he was clear. Yep, he he was left. He was on the left hand side. He thought he was clear, and he moved over. Didn't t- look to me like the two tried to spin him because of it. The two just kind of probably defended his position to make sure he didn't get injured in it, you know, or become part of the wreck. So, yeah, I don't know. Somebody's spotter really. Yeah. I mean, the other circumstances why I think people thought it happened is that almost like Chase and Denny uh, in the laps prior, they did kind of have some a little bit of altercation or some fender rubs. And that's why people just assumed. And almost like Chase and Denny, again, there was like one out of like three of the replays where it does almost look like the two is the one that, that hooks them. Uh, but then once you get some more in depth and get around the car in different angles. So I don't know. It didn't seem blatant enough. It didn't seem, you know, abrupt enough to be something. And the, the, the 47 car just being there to, to soften the blow also definitely helps. So long story yeah. short, Elton Sawyer was on uh, the morning drive on Sirius XM and on the morning on Tuesday and, and said, you know, we looked through everything and he's not, he's not being suspended. So no. Um, so I think they red flag here too, to fix something. And uh, Jonathan, uh, Hassler gets a TV interview, which is really, really cool. Um, it was like um, that 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 gif or that meme um, with Leonardo DiCaprio where he's like got a beer in one hand and he's pointing at TV <laughs> like, hey, 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 hey. That that was us. We we're like, hey, oh, look, we know that guy. And um, I thought it, I thought it was interesting just because I'm like, I don't think we're really in the mix to to win this race, but hey, I, I mean, we're going to take <laughs> any Jonathan Hassler every, TV every, time that we right. can get. And we I think can. it was also an opportunity to catch up with him after the the Coke yeah. 600 victory as well. So that that was cool to see. But um, you know, the other thing happening during these red flags is that Ryan um, and Joey Logano actually followed up with this too on his interviews later on. You know, they're really hot. <laughs> Ryan was saying, you know, you know, he's they, baking out there in that car yeah, when they're they, in um, there with fans off and just sitting there. They had to they had to shut off the cool suits actually when they wherever they shut the car down. I have it in my notes. I didn't really run bring it up, but they do tell them to shut the cool suit off. And then once they start back up, then they can turn it back on because they're trying to make sure that the electrical system doesn't take an extra draining. Um and Jonathan at one point explains that they have some sort of fix for this situation that they're working on too. So somewhere in the future they have something that'll I don't know, maybe it'll be a battery pack. I don't know, but they'll have something else that'll help with the cool suit um, situation. So yeah, it um, definitely was not not an ideal situation because you're stopping the car, and because you're stopping the car, you don't want to drain the electrical. So yeah, that that does happen. Um, to get to the back to the restart here, the the eight's going to take the top. The Ryan is going to take the bottom here, push the five car from row two. Uh, um, 
And then we restart lap 225 here, racing the 22 for fourth. Um, and, you know, by by lap 235, we had the caution for the 23. So here we get the the 23, you know, the 2311 team, the other, other driver here. Um, and worst part is Ryan says it was coming to him, uh, but they can't get a long enough run. So he may have had a race winning car if they would have had like green flag run. Um, he didn't because it was, you know, caution, five, 10 laps, caution, five, 10 laps, caution, you know, so, but this sets up a green, white checker. Um, and the eight car takes the top here, Ryan, it's P four on the bottom and it's every man for himself here. Um, and it sorts out to fifth. And then on the last lap, the 19 gets him. So the eight wins, Ryan finishes sixth. the, 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 uh, the 19 actually, I think was on four f- fresher tires too. He had pitted, um, during one of the pit stops previous here where most of the leaders had stayed out. So he did get some run out of, out of fresher tires with everybody else being out there on the track for a while. Uh, once I got in my notes here, just too many short runs there. Um, you know, the five two, a- um, and we, we talked about Ryan, maybe talk about the 99 lagging behind a little bit. So I don't know if on this restart, Ryan didn't necessarily get up there to push the five as hard as he normally would have. And the five just well, then, doesn't doesn't get going at all. So no, the top no. line just cruises by. And I was like, okay, we're going to hang on for a top five here. Uh, but it does look like the 19. I'm trying to watch. Trying to watch. Up there, they have the leaders, the camera on, you know, the eight. And I'm trying to watch what's happening in the background. It, it does look like the 19 got pretty aggressive on that final mm-hmm. lap and coming out of the final turn. One thing that I noted uh, about that was I'm like, well, you know, in the 600, there's, there's two different incidents um, between – Ryan in the 19 car one where Ryan was aggressive a little bit earlier in the race. And I think it actually made it on radioactive where Truex said like, like, man, I was just going to give him the spot. Like, you know, you didn't have to be that, that aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then also that last restart, um, last restart where he, where he yeah, he bobbles right in front of him. So I was like, <laughs> I don't everybody think, went, Whoa. I think Truex was already like, you know what? I cut him some breaks last week. Uh, this is my time to, to cash that check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, though, he, he was on, um, you know, at the, I think going into the last restart, everybody else's tires were 50 some laps. And I think Truex's were 14 or 15 laps yep. is all he had on him. So, you know, he, he, you know, wherever he was coming from, he, he definitely had the fresher equipment to do it with. So, so unfortunately, uh, uh, no top five, but, uh, what a bummer. I was, it, it was so weird. Like, you know, you come off this high of them finally getting to victory lane and you're kind of spoiled and, he leads laps in this race, a decent chunk of laps, wins a stage, is kind of in the fight, still technically has a shot at this if maybe the five, you know, takes out the eight or something on the white flag lap and Ryan can scoot by because, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, it actually happened in the Xfinity series race, though it was road course race over the weekend. That same thing happened and the guy in third or fourth ends up winning the race. So I'm like, hey, okay, maybe there's still a chance. And then it's just weird fe- feeling so disappointed you know, in a race where we get a playoff point and we run really well, run up front, still finish in the top 10. But it was like, I was just like, it was almost like we finished 15th, the the, the way that I felt after this race. And it took a little while. Um, yep. You know what, how long it took? It took about uh, 10 minutes until, you know, realized that uh, you got a new leader point, in the NASCAR yeah, Cup the points, Series point standings. Point standings, yeah. You know, Ryan says, yeah, we ran pretty good today. We won the second stage, which was good. Second in the first stage just kind of lost track position, lost the lead through a couple stops and restarts. We could never really get it back. I just got a bad restart at the end and fell to six, but overall 
It wasn't a bad day. It was a good points day too. And we'll keep going. That's his quote that uh, his post-race quote. Um, and like you said, uh, it led to probably the most important part of the the season now, not just winning a race and being in the playoffs, but if you lead the point standings at the end of the regular season, it is 15 extra bonus points. So it's like winning three races just for leading the point standings. So even if he doesn't win another race between here and the end of the regular season, but wins that overall points battle, it's like winning three races. So just now, now we got it. Let's see if he can hang on to it for the next, uh, uh, what is it? Eight, nine races that we got left. So let's take a look at those point standings. So remember, prior to the Coke 600, Ryan was seventh in points. After the Coke 600, he vaulted up to second, just one point out of the lead from Ross Chastain, who was the then leader. Now, after this race at Gateway, let's run through the top 10. Uh, in 10th, we have Tyler Reddick, ninth, Kyle Larson, eighth, Denny Hamlin, seventh, Kyle Bush, sixth, Christopher Bell, fifth, Ross Chastain, fourth, Martin Truex Jr., third, Kevin Harvick. Second is William Byron, who is 13 points behind your new NASCAR Cup Series points leader, and that is none other none other than the 12 team and Ryan Blaney. So he has 495 points. Um, I mentioned to you, um, you know, we're kind of in a lucky spot here where the 24 was uh, penalized 60 points, I believe is what it ended up being for their Maybe was that their second penalty of the year? I'm not, I'm not sure how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, or I don't know if they were caught up in that first spell of Hendrick penalties or not. But either way, uh, when they were penalized by NASCAR, I think for the, the I don't know if that was Lubergate or not, 60-point uh, um, penalty. So he would be leading by 47, Byron would be, if he had those points, because he has had an outstanding season with three victories and running up front almost every single week. But Luckily for us, they did have that points penalty. So Ryan is 13 points up on the rest of the field. So things are are definitely moving in the right di- right direction. Um, a lot of momentum. And uh, hopefully yeah. they can t- continue on this momentum as they head out uh, to the West Coast and uh, go road racing again. Yeah, there's 11 more races till the playoffs. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know why I think it's eight or nine. 11 more races, <laughs> an off week after Sonoma. So yeah, let's... Uh, Keep it up. Keep up the momentum. So let's talk about Sonoma and let's go through our NASCAR on TV report for Sonoma Raceway and all the action is going to kick off on Saturday, June 10th, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. The NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying is going to be held. And unfortunately for Steve, it's going to be on FS2. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening on FS1. There might be a baseball game or something that they can't get out of. So uh, fortunately for those folks, you're going to have to uh, find other ways to watch. Or if you do have FS2, luckily I do. Uh, might be able to catch that uh, 8 p.m. Or- Eastern time NASCAR Xfinity series door dash 250. That's going to be on FS one where most folks with that cable package can watch. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's some sort of, some sort of um, uh, Egyptian soccer match they have to show or something. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, did you notice how quick they got off the air? Um, they did, but they were two night. hours. I, I, they're two hours. I know they were way long. I know they were way <laughs> long, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that, that if you want to be a major sport, you need to be treated like a major sport, and that's just my little rant. But the NFL, they could have a quadruple over playoff overtime, and afterward they're going to analyze it for 45 minutes. They'll talk to everybody. They'll talk to the groundskeeper. They'll talk to whoever <laughs> they need to talk to. You know, it's, it's just so amazing that 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 whatever they have else that's that they got to get to it bump bump that somewhere else so go say hey you want to see this soccer match 
go to FS2. That's the way you do it. Not, oh, we got to hurry up and get out. We got a window. We're in the window. We got to get out of here. No, bump yeah. it over. ESPN has 60 channels. And you know what they do? Go watch on ESPN News right now if you want to watch that. I know it was supposed to start. It's going to start. Go over to ESPN News and watch the end of this here. You you got to prioritize. And right now, Fox Sport, what is their major sport? I mean, they do have some baseball coverage. But, you know, is NASCAR your priority or not? Something for the television negotiation team to figure out, I think, with NASCAR. I think that TV decision made Steve hotter than the break rotors at Gateway. Um, yep. So, <laughs> so uh, I will say, um, I, at least they did stay behind and interview Kyle Busch, who ended up winning the race. I have seen some Xfinity races that have been rain delayed and stuff where they crossed the finish line and they said, that's all, folks. <laughs> and they they moved on. But at least for the Cup Series, they at least stayed for the winner. So, again, mm-hmm. uh, practice and qualifying, 5 p.m. Eastern time on FS2 on Saturday. 8 p.m. Eastern time is the Xfinity Series door dash 250. That'll be on FS1. And then the big race on Sunday, June 11th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Cup Series Toyota Save Mart 350 at Sonoma Raceway. And that is going to be on the mothership of Fox. Um, Ryan Blaney's stats at road courses overall. Since we started doing this podcast, it has dipped just slightly. I think when we first started talking about him and his road racing abilities and how he had won the Roval and finished up front a lot, his average finish around that time was between 12 and 12.5. With the next gen era, um, he's had some decent finishes, but not as strong as he was in the previous generation. So it slipped just slightly uh, overall to 14.0. The good news is, is that Sonoma Raceway specifically, uh, he's pretty good here. Average start of 13.0 and an average finish of 14.2. And um, he doesn't have a ton of starts here, just six. So I'll just go through those where he has uh, one top five and four top 10. So when he started out there in the 21 car, he finished 23rd, then 9th, then 34th, then 3rd, 10th, and 6th. So he's finished in the top 10 the last three races out there at Sonoma Raceway. So I think that that's, a, that's definitely a good sign. And uh, so mo- they already have this momentum from the win and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think they have a decent amount of momentum just going into Sonoma itself based on his last three finishes. Yeah, I, I, the, the statistic, that's great that you, you're good with statistics and it's awesome, but the statistic about the finishes getting worse or whatever doesn't count because the road courses they've added are a couple of these road courses where they play the punting game at the end of these races. You know, Ryan has been running in the front row or in the second row, coming through turn one at a couple of these places and then it gets punted, you know, and finishes 22nd or 30th or, you know, so you know, one thing about Sonoma that's good is it's a lot harder to do that because you come through that hairpin turn before the start finish line. So it kind of spreads the guys out a little bit coming, coming up to the, to the start line. Um, that's really the only spot. That's like the one, one of the few spots where some guys do dive bomb, but it's really out of desperation. It's not as easy as, as it is to do on a restart. Like you said, right on the restart. It's hard to do. That's, that's the point. I think, uh, you know, I'm really going toward is it's hard to do on a restart and, the main the main area where it ends up happening uh, is once they go up under that bridge up the hill, some guys get knocked off the course every once in a while there. Um, and that's just because somebody didn't see that they were clear or not clear. You know? So um, yeah, it, um, it'll be fun. I, it, it's a really kind of good rhythm kind of racetrack and there's actually good places, good passing points uh, as they come like what would be the backstretch more or less coming down the hill, down through those S's. Um, so it'd be a lot of fun to watch uh, Ryan uh, maneuver. 
It's weird. And I know you've been to a few road course races here the last couple of years between the Indy road course. And then uh, you went up there to Wisconsin, Wisconsin as well to road America. And mm-hmm. you've been to mid Ohio. Um, they've added all of these extra road courses in the cup series schedule. And my two favorite are still Sonoma and still Watkins Glen. Cause it's like Watkins Glen's like super high speed and a little bit shorter. Sonoma's pretty technical and it just, I don't know if it's just cause I'm so used to them. I know them so well from playing them for, you know, 20 years on NASCAR video games that I can actually, it's one of those, those few places where I can actually picture each turn as they're going through. So I feel pretty knowledgeable about the track layout. Um, I just don't, I don't know what it is, but those two out of all of them, I mean, Coda was kind of exciting at first, but then, you know, because of the first turn, but then Ryan's been used up so much in the first turn at Coda that I don't really like it anymore. So I don't know well, what it is. How do, how do you feel about those two tracks? That's, that's the key that is that Coda and uh, Indy, and they may not do Indy after this year from the way people are talking, but those two places, especially are the ones where it's full momentum on the restart and into a hair, into a, into a 90 degree turn. And what they really need to do is change the start finish line for restarts. Maybe not for the finish of the race, but for the restarts, change the start finish on the restarts so that you can't do that because all it does is just cause catastrophe after catastrophe. And then the race itself becomes secondary to the spectacle of watching everybody bang into each other going into one. Um, so I love the racing at both those places because there is good passing, good places to pass. Technic, you talk about technical track. Coda is definitely, you know, a, a great technical track, and uh, they got they have to do limit the rest of the limits. way. The it's rest that, of the way right. through, it's nice, but yeah, that right. first turn kind of kills it. The first turn kills it on restarts. If they could quit doing that, figure out a way to stop them from doing that by maybe changing the restart area, like we've talked about that last year. Um, those, those will be good places to race too. Cause that's the thing is what you're thinking about with Watkins Glen and with, uh, Sonoma is you've got a bunch of guys who've been going there for years and years and years and know how it works. They know the best place to make a pass. They know, um, you know, the, uh, the bus stop that they can do certain things and get the, get the car through the bus stop a certain way uh, at Watkins Glen. You know, like I said, the hairpin turn at Sonoma is a you know, great place to get up underneath those tires. If you can get underneath somebody, you might be able to slide. I don't want to say the word slide job because it's not technically a slide job, but get up underneath somebody, get in, get a nose in front of them, uh, and get to them before the start finish line. You know, so yeah, those, those, those tracks are more familiar with where to pass and how to do it. And like I said, the, the other couple of these other places are good tracks, they just got this spectacle of like late race restart mayhem. And it just kind of takes away from their actual racing. Yeah. I, I was watching the NASCAR Xfinity series as much as I could on Saturday. And for a second there, I thought I'm like, you know, this, this track in Portland might be a, a cool opportunity for the cup series to go race there, but they do have that, that first turn after start finish line is uh, kind of sketchy. And you did see some guys get punted. So maybe that I liked it because it was a short, it's a short road course. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't, an, and there really isn't a long straightaway except for the front stretch where the start finish line is. Even the back stretch is, is kind of a curved straightaway back. It's curves. I'm say it's weird to say straightaway, but it's just kind of a really curved uh, area before it gets back into like turns uh, looks like 11 and 12 or something back there. So, um, but I thought Portland might be, I know there's some infrastructure issues there to why cup might not go there anytime soon, but yeah, definitely that first turn there might just cause too much calamity to where it won't be fun. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know if you remember Ryan in the truck series that, uh, was at Canadian, uh, tire, um, 
you know, that, that track there, same as, is a whole different thing. Like the, before the start finish line, they come up through a turn, a right hand turn before the start finish. So they're lining up for, for a restart and they're not getting up to full speed by the time they get to the start finish line, because they're coming around a bend and that totally makes it easier to sort out when they get to a turn, you know, on a restart, because once you've got them all bunched up on a restart, you know, like I said, they, they, every man for himself, right. On the flip side, that final turn there has made for mm. some pretty amazing and uh, mm-hmm. finishes that have some have led to fisticuffs yeah. uh, out there uh, when the leaders are close and racing there. And Ryan, I think it was uh, was it Herman Quiroga that he was I that think he so. battled with at the at the mm-hmm. end of that one race, which it was a pretty respectable battle, but they did trade some paint a little bit um, at there. And I uh, uh, that that was one of my I don't something one of my favorite all-time Blaney wins, but it was cool because he had to really mm-hmm. battle a guy uh, mm-hmm. neck and neck all the way to win that truck race. So um, yeah, so lots of different opportunities. I, I'm hoping uh, they that we've reached our peak on the number of road course races. Obviously we have the Chicago street race coming up that I think is more uh, almost like North Wilkesboro. It's more of a spectacle yeah, than spectacle. maybe the racing yeah. is going to be, but who knows? Maybe it'll surprise us, but um, there might be some carnage. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, but yeah, just, it's, just that bread and butter of going to Sonoma, going to Watkins Glen. For me, it's like, I'm not like, you know, the super old school traditional fan. I mean, I have been around for 20 plus years, but I still didn't start watching until the 2000s. But it's just, I don't know. I've romanticized just the cup series going to those two road course races and then everything else being a little bit more traditional, but Sonoma is definitely one of my favorites. And if it's one of your favorites and you want to tune in this weekend, Again, practice and qualifying for the Cup Series, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on FS2, and then Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time for the Toyota Save Mart 350 on Fox. So I was chatting with Steve right before we started recording about how I thought I had a really great fantasy lineup. Um, Upon further review, I had three really great (laughs) drivers in that lineup and a couple that let me down and another one in the garage that uh, I had thought about elevating up at one point in the race, but also let me down. So I'll go through my starting lineup uh, as we jump back to this past week's race at Worldwide Technology Raceway. So for the Team Blaine NASCAR Fantasy Live League, I started the winner, Kyle Busch, who got me 59 points. Uh, Ryan Blaney, who finished sixth, got me 50 points. He won a stage. Joey Logano, who finished third, got me 44 points. And then Ross Chastain, who, man, he was out to lunch in, in this race. I'm not sure what happened. His teammate, uh, for once, actually outperformed him nearly all race long. Chastain only gets me 20 points. Tyler Reddick was on track to uh, at least get a good finish. He didn't really do too much in the stages at all. Uh, two points only. And I le- had left him in because Stenhouse had been, I think, or I don't know, I don't know who crashed first, but either way, I think I missed it. I wasn't able to elevate Stenhouse. I think Stenhouse was actually still in the race after Reddick, uh, mm-hmm. but then Stenhouse got wrecked out anyway. So he was in my garage. It was only going to give me eight points more, which was not going to make a dent in the rest of things. Um, here's where I really fell off. I picked Ryan over Tyler Reddick in the featured matchup. So that was right. Uh, but the rest I got all wrong. I had picked Bubba over Almarola. I picked Ty Gibbs over Cindric, and I picked Keselowski over Busher. And uh, Keselowski had a rough day, really long day. Um, after they came back from the red flag for the lightning delay, they dropped a cylinder, and he, I think, it was three laps down at one point, and actually, with all of those crazy cautions, came back out of that yeah. but still finished uh like in the 28th 28th or something like that so yeah the featured matchups killed me 
Uh, even though my the top half of my lineup was super good with Bush, Blaney, and Logano, um, just wasn't enough. And I, I just I thought I had a good week, like I usually do, and I wasn't even close. I think I finished in the 30s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Fifth, no God, no, 55th. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow, that's rough. Um, my feature matchups is what you know got me because I only got 20 points out of my feature. I only got half of them. I did have Ryan over Tyler, and I did have uh, Austin over Ty. Bubba Wallace should have, if his rotor doesn't blow up, he would have beat Amarola. Um, and then I had Brad, and that didn't work out either. But my lineup, um, and I ran out of, I'm out of Ryan, uh, you know, can't use Ryan until the playoffs, but that's okay. I had Kyle Bush, who was 59 points. I had Denny Hamlin, who was 51 points. Um, I had, uh, Joey Logano, who was 44 points. I had William Byron, who was 40 points. And I had Truex, who was 39 points. That is the number one, two, four, five, and six guy. Who was the only guy I was missing? It was Ryan. <laughs> Ryan was the third best guy in there. So I had, uh, done, I maximized my lineup basically for everything I could do, except have Ryan in it. Um, and it was, I think it was only good for like 16th because of, you know, I needed those other two matchups, what I needed. Uh, that would have been 20 more points. And, uh, yeah, I think I ended up with, what was it? Uh, 253. So yeah. 20 more points, 20 more points would have put me in number one. <laughs> that shows you how tight it was at the top. So let's take a look at that, those standings and points earned. So again, yeah, you were 16th. I was just, uh, just behind there in 55th, uh, <laughs> I think 185 points earned, uh, but let's take a look at the top 10, which will actually start with eight because we had some major uh, ties here. So we had a four way tie in the eighth position with 259 points. And that's cool guy to K the nutty gamer, P shoot bill and Blaney kicks beep. And then we had a three way tie for fifth with racing girl, 12, uh Clyde's chicken pit racing who's come yeah, out of the grave after the last I mean I don't know where he's been uh the last several weeks uh, once we discovered him it was like a jinx uh I think <laughs> he had some rough weeks after that yeah um so and go Larson so racing girl 12 Clyde's chicken pit racing and go Larson all tied for the fifth position in points earned with 263 points fourth we had TJH3 with 264 third Whip Wilson 269 in a tie for first with Adjuster 4 and Factory of Sadness 6 with 273 points earned for this race at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Let's jump now to the overall league standings. Ooh, I don't like the way that top 10 looks. Uh, 35th <laughs> position, Team Blaney host Adam, 2,664 points. Let's take a look at the top 10 in the overall standings. Eric D15 in the 10th position, 2,810, or 2,810. 9th, The Nutty Gamer, 2,815. 8th, Sam Speedsters, 2,821. 7th, Penske Fan, 24, 2,858. 6th, Adjuster 4, 2,860. 5th, Mez 12, 2874. Fourth, Go Larson, 2887. Third, Christian Dana, 2894. Second, Blaney's Daisy, 2935. And just five points ahead in the first position. Factory of Sadness 6 now leads the way in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League with 2940 points. So it is really tight. At the top of the standings, you've managed to move up into the top five now, which is unfortunate to see for me. 
Uh, but I guess it's good for you. And I will again point out that this is not just Steve making these picks. Uh, I think the brains behind the operation is uh, Kate. And um, I'm going to give her all of the credit for all of this. I can neither, neither confirm nor deny any of that. let's talk briefly about we'll jump forward again briefly about the race at sonoma coming up if there's anybody that stands out that you're going to want to use in your lineup i'll run through the top 10 finishers at that race in sonoma last year daniel suarez went to victory lane i had a nice battle at the end of that race with chris busher michael mcdowell was third harvick was fourth cindric was fifth blaney was sixth chastain was seventh elliott was eighth william byron was ninth and tenth was brad keselowski I can tell you for a fact that Chase Elliott will be in my starting lineup this week because I am 99.9% confident that the nine car is going to win this race at Sonoma to just to make some sort of a statement. That's just the kind of storyline that would happen coming off a suspension and a controversy like that. Um, He hasn't been as dominant in the next gen car on road courses as he was in that previous generation where it seemed like he was winning every single road course race. Uh, but he's still pretty dang good in it. And I would not be shocked uh, for a rebound week for the nine car. And uh, just because I just feel like that somehow sometimes the world's just aligned just to make these crazy storylines happen. So (laughs) Chase Elliott, I know for sure is going to be in my starting lineup. Might as well uh, maybe based on practice and qualifying. I want to see how fast the track house cars are, but both of them might Mm -hmm. be in the lineup. I still have some uses for Ryan Blaney. We'll just, again, that's totally going to be based on, uh, what they do out there in practice. Is there anybody uh, that piques your interest? It is interesting to see, you know, Austin Sindrick uh, finished fifth last week and he's relatively strong there. He might not be somebody you start all the time. So he might be worth throwing in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Reddick. Oh yeah. Um, that's yeah, true. That's, that's the guy who, who can do it on a road course. Um, like I said, practice and qualifying is something we always like to look at. I, I'd be interested to see how Kyle Bush does actually in practice qualifying. Um, as well as Ryan, because I mean, look, right now those are the two two teams with the most momentum right now. You know, uh, Kyle had the pole and won the race this past week. Ryan won the race two weeks ago and finished and started the the race. Uh, you know, outside front row and then won a stage, and he's won two stages in the last two weeks. So, um, you know, interesting thing about strategy here for your fantasy is that now we're doing a road course and we're not going to have our cautions at um the end of stages uh they're going to award the points at the end of the stages but they're going to keep going so um how often do we get cautions you know guys are going to race the race backwards will somebody like ryan try to um to get stage points because you know now you have your win so you know um a couple years ago a guy like larson would just not care (laughs) <laughs> and then he would be on opposite strategy, get back into the back of the field, but was so strong a car that he would just pass everybody anyway. So, you know, look for a couple things like that to happen. Um, but it kind of changes your strategy too, when you're looking at uh, guys who are going to be racing for points versus guys who are going to be racing to win the race. So. So, like I said, looking forward to going road course racing at one of my favorite tracks and uh, hopefully my, um, Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League team gets it in gear and gets some of that momentum that the 12 teams had the last several weeks and maybe get at least a top 15 finish or something like that this weekend. Um, I do want to shift to maybe something a little bit more positive and talk about the fact that, you know, this past week was an unbelievable week, Monday through Friday, at least, for the Blaney racing family. Or Saturday. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, Saturday. Sorry. Monday through Saturday for the Blaney Racing Family, where Ryan wins that rain-delayed uh, race in the Coke 600. And then you also saw Dave Blaney and Dale Blaney. And it was great to see, for one, you know, Dale Blaney has been back behind the wheel of a sprint car this year after being mostly off uh, especially full-time racing for the last several years, but he's now out there running uh, the 32B uh, sprint car. But they were both competing all week long in the Western PA Sprint Speed Week at a variety of tracks around Western Pennsylvania. And I'd like to remind folks the fact that Hartford is or Sharon Speedway, maybe Sharon, but it is in Hartford, Ohio. Uh, but they were still part of Western PA Sprint Speed Week. And uh, Dave had some really great finishes throughout the week, finishing second to AJ Flick multiple times. Dale, I think, finished, picked up uh, a third place finish, possibly at Lernerville uh, behind was, Dave. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, Dave Blaney, Saturday night. Let's talk about Saturday. it because Team Mez and uh, Team Mez and our friends Jerry and Kirsten, uh, friends of the podcast and uh, big time mm-hmm. Blaney fans, all in attendance at Sharon Speedway to see this uh, uh, Western PA uh, Sprint Speed Week action. Yeah, the, um, Jerry and Kirsten are like our, our roving reporters. Uh, last year, they sent a bunch of pictures, actually, from uh, where they were at the Lublin Memorial. So um, definitely they're there for Dave. And um, we had messaged each other Friday night because of Dave's finish Friday night. And we were both like, oh, it'll be interesting to see what he does at home on Saturday. And sure enough, uh, my wife and I decide we're going to go. And at the same point in time, we decide we're going to go. I get a text message from Jerry says, we're going to go. So we all met up there at the track and, um, uh, we get pit passes so we can go down, take, take some nice pictures of the cars, put them online. Um, so hopefully if you, you're following all the team Blaney uh, accounts, we, we definitely tried to put some good pictures, some videos together. Um, they end up, I think Dale and Dave both end up in separate heats, um, winning, winning a heat, you know, just Dave, Dave was just on it, you know? Um, I don't think we're up there for the, whatever they did with the draw or whatever, but, uh, he's, they start the a main feature in row two, both of them, um, 30 lap a main, uh, by lap four, three or four, Dave is up to second. He gets a really good start to begin with. And then we get a caution and he's in second. So of course for the restarts on, on these, uh, situation, they've got the cone, they put the cone out, it's single file restart. And, uh, with 25 to go, uh, within a lap, Dave passes for the lead and then checks out. And it was just amazing to watch. Um, I can't boast enough about what, what we saw. It stayed green the whole way. And Dave lapped all the way up to fifth position by the end of the race. And he was catching the guy in fifth too. Um, if it was a longer feature and stayed green, even longer, who knows, but, um, dicing through traffic, um, you know, anticipating guys who were running one way or running another way at one point three and four, he went between two guys and I would just, our eyes all lit up. Cause like, don't, 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 you know, don't, don't not now. No. Um, but he literally reminded me, I hate this, but of Kyle Larson, um, two years ago, we saw Kyle Larson win at, uh, Eldora in the Kings Royal. And it was the same thing. Uh, Dave ran whatever line he wanted to run, however he wanted to run. It was wide open pretty much the whole time. And just, just, another guy and another guy and another guy and another guy. And it just, uh, I, you know, there was a 32 car field there. Uh, so 25 cars were in the feature. Um, these guys aren't slouches, you know, these guys do it every week. Uh, you know, the, uh, there was, uh, was it, uh, flick? What was this? Uh, AJ flick. I think yeah. AJ flick. Yep. AJ flick had, had won on Thursday and Friday night, Pittsburgh and, um, Lernerville. And, uh, Lernerville. 
Um, so, I mean, you know, and he was running like third or fourth. I mean, he was, you know, he was doing everything he could. Um, but Dave, Dave was just uh, the class of the field Saturday night. It was a blast to see. Uh, we got some great pictures. We went to victory lane over there, got some pictures of him in victory lane. Uh, uh, mom came over, got great, great photo of mom in victory lane. Uh, my wife put that on uh, Twitter. I think it's up to 17,000 views on Twitter, which for her is, you know, a lot of views. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, and it was really cool to see too, cause she, she looked extremely happy, uh, you know, so hopefully we get to see a lot more of that. Um, and then we know that he'll, he'll run a couple more. And I think Dave, uh, Dale's going to run probably a little bit more of a schedule, uh, than Dave even. So, uh, how speed week should be interesting, interesting to see what happens when that comes up in the next week or so. Uh, so definitely keep, keep an eye out. We'll try to get pictures and info to you, at least on, um, the team blade pages. Uh, but, uh, what a great, uh, Saturday night. Yeah, really cool to see. And uh, I think our post said something like, you know, you don't you don't come to Dave's house and expect to, you know, steal a victory away from him. The guy has yeah. a million laps on that track, um, 30 plus wins there, uh, at least three wins in the last couple of years between uh, winning that World of Outlaw race. He won, a, I think, the season opener there earlier this year, comes mm-hmm. back and wins this Western PA Sprint Speed Week victory. Um, I don't have any confirmation that either of them are going to be running Ohio Sprint Speed Week with the All-Star Circuit of Champions, but I could guess at least Dale will be. I, who knows about Dave, depending on his schedule. You know, he's not a full-time guy. He's, he's out there kind of running for fun. So who knows? Sharon does have a date in that. Uh, it's going to be uh, this upcoming Tuesday night. They have their All-Star Sprint Speed Week show. So uh, Ohio Sprint Speedway with the All-Star Circuit of Champions, and that's always a really good thing. And if you are a Blaney fan and you do subscribe to Flow Racing, and if Dave or Dale are, is racing in that, or if you're just a sprint car fan, uh, Flow Racing has the All-Star Circuit of Champions all season long, so that's a really uh, cool opportunity. Uh, either way, Sharon Speedway is going to be showcased on that, so you know, close to my heart for you know working there forever. Uh, still try to get back there as much as possible anytime I am anytime I am back in town in Ohio. So, uh, but yeah, so heartwarming to see Kate and Dave and Victory Lane, um, and a lot of Blaney fans were there. And worth mentioning too, uh, I think maybe there at least one other person I saw that did this, but Jerry and Kirsten both in town to see Ryan win the Coke Six Hundred and then turn around just a few days later and see Dave go to Victory Lane at Sharon. So they got back to back Blaney wins in person. So great week for those fans. Yeah. Yeah. You said one other person on, uh, on Twitter, Twitter somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. But, and I can, we'd have to you know, tweet out to us. Let us know who it was. That'd be kind of cool to know. Um, because we know Dave was the only other person. <laughs> That's Dave, very true. We know, Dave, we, know, we know Dave was in Charlotte on Monday because we saw the pictures. Um, so yeah, that, that had to be really cool. If you got to do both of those in one week. Well, Steve, we had an action-packed show here, and hopefully um, there's another another positive show, another uplifting show, because of all that momentum that, momentum that that 12 teams has, and it's been really good, really fun for us uh, to have some really, really cool things to talk about. First place, baby. Yeah. You, want, you talk about whatever you want to talk about these last couple months. That is a consistent team. That is a team on top. That's a team executing. They're getting it done. As long as they keep doing that, momentum is going the right direction. That's first place, baby. That's all you want to be. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, Larson won a bunch of races, was the points leader, uh, you know, and look what it did for him when he got to the playoffs. You know, you have a 20 or 30 point lead starting every round of the playoffs because you, 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 you're the, the regular season winner. That's hard, hard to beat even when you get down to the round of eight. So just keep up all the momentum. Keep having good weeks. Keep having good runs. 
the speed's definitely there and the driver's there and the team is there. So, you know what? All the negative nannies that are out there go away. Okay. It's time to watch. <laughs> it's time to watch our boy do a real good job the rest of this year. Let's go. Let's keep that power of positivity train on the tracks. Thank you once again, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at Team.Blaney. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association, and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or follow them on any of their active social media channels. So, for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.